Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Because being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable if you do the work. Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode 14 with special guests Elise and Scott Grice from Hey Sweet Pea. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. We are so excited to bring you guys Elise and Scott um, from Hey Sweet Pete. They are both, I know, right? It's so official. Um, Elise and Scott are online educators and coaches. They are on a mission to help self-made entrepreneurs redefine success and build contagiously happy lives and businesses. So I knew that they would be a perfect fit for our Being Boss listeners. Together, they've built Hey Sweet Pete. Hey Sweet Pea, which is a thriving branding team and studio originally based out of Austin, Texas. They've worked with hundreds of creative entrepreneurs, and they've since embraced an unconventional business and adventurous life on the road, which I cannot wait to talk about. Like you guys got this RV and you're traveling around the world. Um, Okay, so we're going to get into that, but first a couple of announcements. Yes, announcement time. Number one, we are on YouTube. So if you want to get full uncut bloopers and all versions of our podcast, you can check us out on YouTube um, and we will have a link to our YouTube channel in our show notes. Also, we have a secret episode recorded. It's all about cultivating confidence and we'll be launching it to our newsletter subscribers only. So if you're getting our If you're not getting our newsletters yet, you can sign up at lovebeingboss.com so you can get that secret episode and more exclusive content from us as we grow. All right, back to Elise and Scott. Hey, guys. Hi. So, Elise, I first met you, and we were just talking about this over email the other day. It was a few, three years ago? How many years ago? Maybe four? Like four, I think. It was four years ago. We were just like reading each other's blogs and emailing back and forth. And you. I didn't even have a blog. You had a blog. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. (laughs) No, I would read your blog all the time because. You were ahead of me, and so it was like you were that person who'd already quit their awesome corporate job and had already kind of done the scary thing, and so you were that person that I was like, oh my gosh, can I do this? I don't know. Maybe I'll write her and ask, like, what should I do? <laughs> um, but yes, you were that person who I looked up to, who's like my northern star, I guess. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> well, oh. you were working at Sony, which sounds yes. like a total dream job, and we'll talk about yes. that, like the day job on paper, how it looks so good, but it just doesn't feel quite right. And um, I don't remember the specific, I remember emailing back and forth, but I don't remember being like, yeah, quit your job because I'm so hesitant to tell creatives now to quit their day jobs because I find that it can bring up lots of feelings of like desperation, which never, um, I I feel like desperation just kills creativity. So I'm always hesitant. I believe in probably more transitional approach these days, but um, but you did that. You made the big leap. So kind of um, Elise and Scott, I want to hear both of your stories. And Elise, I kind of know your story, so give us some background, but I want to hear like even how you guys met and how you started your creative journey together. Like give me the background. What's the backstory? So Scott and I have very different stories, which is kind of what makes it really fun when we work with entrepreneurs, because I come from corporate Hollywood and I had that big, huge dream job that everybody dreams of having. I got that job when I was 18. So I kind of did that really young. And Scott was on the other end. He did the college route. I didn't do college. Okay. So Um, did you get that job at Sony right out of school? I quit school. So I I started going to community college when I was 16, and then I went to a four-year degree, and I was there for one semester. It was my first time taking art classes, and I was super nervous because I'd never taken art classes before, but I was self-taught. I taught myself since I was 12. My dad had bought me the Adobe Creative Suite when I was 12, which is crazy. What? Uh, dad, what dad does that? Wait, so, how old are you now? Am I 26? <laughs> okay, because when I was 12, I was still like... Making my My Little Ponies home for fun. No, I was, I was like, not I like, <laughs> I was oh not God. like messing around with Photoshop. 
No, I knew. I was like, I'm going to be a designer. I'm going to work in Hollywood. Um, my aunt worked in Hollywood. And so it was kind of like, this is doable. I know someone who's done this. I can do this too. So I started really young, kind of on this trajectory. And um, so I went, okay, so I went to four-year like to get my four-year degree and I was there for one semester and I have like a terrible tremor so I like I sucked at like painting and drawing I can't do things um by hand I have to do them on the computer so I kind of sucked at some of my classes um but the other ones that had to do with the computer I was really really good at and so at one point the head of the art department calls me in and he has like my art hanging on his wall in his office and he's like dude you need to just like quit this school you're ahead of all the seniors and this is your first semester and you need to quit and you need to go work and like just start working wow. or you need to go to a really high-end art school one or the other and I was like okay I guess I'll quit <laughs> so I quit and that's when I applied to all these jobs in Hollywood and I got interviews all over the place at Fox and Sony all over and I ended up with a job at Sony um so I got that when I was 18 which is crazy and weird looking back I was so naive and young and somehow made that happen um so I had that you know like I landed my dream job at 18 and Scott was on the other end he did the whole college route yeah I, I graduated right at the beginning of the recession yep and <laughs> spent two years trying to just find a job working dead-end part-time jobs and wait so Scott were you doing the graphic design route also no what? I uh, my background's in film okay so, um I was doing uh, I, I graduated with a film production degree um, and that's actually how we met. We went to the same college. So that one semester. We met during <laughs> okay. that one semester while she was there. And then she took off, and we, we didn't really get to know each other very well at college. Um, but it, it was after she got the job at Sony, she started hanging out with a bunch of people that I hung out with at school. And so we started going to Disneyland together. You like Disneyland. I, know I love, well, I've, I've been to Disneyland once, but I'm all about Disney World. Disney World. Like, yeah. Disney and which World. people make fun of all the time, but I'm We've I'm technically a been living lover. at Disney World for the last three months, yeah. so. Okay, yeah, which, okay, let's, let's save the RV for a minute. I have to tell you, so my brother is a sideshow performer, and he um, has traveled around the country and around the world in an RV, and his ongoing joke is that he's pooped at every Walmart, (laughs) because, like, that's where, like, he just, it feels like home to him. He's like, you know, and whenever you're traveling, you yell, poop shy. Sorry, we're just going to go there today. (laughs) Uncut all the way. So, uncut all the way. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, Walmart. Yeah, yes. that's so funny. You get very like, I mean, you're just kind of down with anything. We'll get to that later. But we're yes, go yes. Down. Okay, wait. So, um, you guys were going to Disneyland and yeah, falling so, in love. Yeah. Yep. So we went to Disneyland every Sunday together uh, as a group, and then started going one on one. And so we started. We started dating. I was still trying to find a job. Um, I was working as a valet. And um, and she had the job. Like, she had already made it, like, a ride. Okay, wait. So you're a valet in Hollywood. Were you parking yeah. any famous people's Yeah, so we, would, so we would do, um, like, private events. So we would do all, like, the celebrity parties and all over, all over Southern So California. I'm, like, sitting at lunch next to celebrities at I'm Sony. Parking and he's parking cars. <laughs> <laughs> What's the coolest car you ever valet? Uh, I'm not really into cars that much. Oh. So I... Well, that's okay. I've, I've, I've driven a uh, $500,000 Rolls Royce from like oh. the 1930s or something like that. <laughs> who's, wow. Whose was it? Can High you say five. who it belonged to? I, he's, he's, not, um, he's not an entertainment celebrity, but he's um, this really wealthy dude. I don't even remember his name. Um, and he owns an entire car museum. Whoa. So he was coming wow. to an event in like this flashy old Rolls Royce. It was crazy. <laughs> But he said, nice. he said the best person you ever met was Cuba Gooding Jr. He yeah. was, like, the coolest guy. Yeah. And just took, like, 20 minutes just to talk to Scott. Oh. Like, hear his story. And... Yeah. So he was Wow. Cool. Yeah. The, I, I don't want to sit here and name drop. But... <laughs> yeah, let's just spend this whole episode name dropping. Yeah, let's just talk about famous shout people. Out to awesome people. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so back to your story. So when did you guys... Like, get married? When did you quit? When did you move? Yeah, so while I was trying to find work, um, we had been dating for a little while, and um, I just, I couldn't come up with anything. 
um, in LA. So, cause again, it was just as the recession was really going. So there just was nothing out there. There's about a hundred people per a thousand. a thousand applicants per one job, even at Starbucks, McDonald's, oh, wow. it just didn't yeah. matter. Like I couldn't even get a Starbucks job <laughs> That's with a college degree. That's how crazy <laughs> oh. it was. So I had an uncle who lived in Texas who, um, called me up and was like, Hey, I've heard you having a rough go of it. So, um, I work at a news station. I might have some connections to be able to get you a film job out here. If you want to move out here, you can live in my house for free. You can drive my truck for free. Um, and I'll help you get a job. And I was never a fan of Texas. So, uh, I grew up in Oklahoma and Oklahoma kind of has a rivalry with Texas. Yeah. Oklahoma. <laughs> so you're, are you from Tulsa? Yeah. yeah. That's where you guys are now. Okay. I'm in Oklahoma yeah. city, which I don't think a whole lot of people know. So yeah. Yes. So, um, so I, it took me about six months to just warm up to the idea of moving to Texas because I'm in like Southern California. Like, yeah. And I, you know, I have aspirations of being this great filmmaker. And so, um, so Lisa and I really talked about it and we decided that, um, she was just not feeling creatively fulfilled in her job. Um, she was, you know, 22, I guess, and um, talking to her bosses, which were like the next position up. So the next Actually, promotion. Even further up. It was like execs I was talking to. Yeah, and they were saying like, you know, they, they've been at this for decades and they can't even afford to own their own house yet and oh. they have to commute three hours every day. And, and so it was just painting this like picture of corporate America that, you know, this ladder this endless ladder that you have to climb and it was already feeling so creatively stifling for her. So we were like, you know what? I, I bet if you took on some freelance work, you know, you can make some extra money on the side. And so she started like teasing out like, Hey, if I took on freelance projects, would anybody be interested? And there was this overwhelming response on Twitter. Nonetheless, yeah. because you didn't have a blog at this yeah, point. And I mean, when you're working for something somewhere like Sony, you have a non-compete. I couldn't actually do anything for anybody at that point. So I had to wait until I quit to, to start something. So I just had a Twitter account. I would just sit there. I'd finish my work and I'd, you know, ask them, is there any more work I can do today? And I didn't have anything. So I just sit on Twitter and talk to people. And that's kind of how I grew my Twitter following and then realized people are saying they want to hire me. Like, oh, this is a possibility. I didn't even, it, so it just started to really happen. And it was just because I was putting myself out there on Twitter and just showing up and being myself, you know, yeah. like I was selling anything. I was just there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we kind of, we just kind of went for it. And so we sold everything we owned and we packed up our little Toyota Camry and drove across the country and made it to Texas. And that's where we kind of started. That's when we started Hey Sweet Pea. Okay. And were you guys married yet whenever you did no. that? Yeah, no, we weren't even engaged. And we Elise, engaged. weren't people telling you that you were crazy for yes. moving? Yes. I, I mean, think people, I remember that. Yes. People were just, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you have your dream job. Why are you leaving? Like, this is a dream job. You don't leave a dream job. Right. Um, and, you know, and just kind of this idea of like, we're I mean, when you live in LA, even if you have a dream job, you're kind of broke all the time. Yeah. So it was kind of this idea of like, well, we don't even really have a lot to to our name. Like, how, who are we to say we can quit our job and do something with our lives? Right. So it was kind of we we felt a lot of resistance from a lot of people in a lot of different areas, um, except for Scott's uncle, who was super supportive. <laughs> he was yeah. like, "Dude, come out here to Texas. Like, That's this so is where awesome. supposed to be." And we had so much peace about it. We just in our gut, we were like, "We're supposed to go." Yeah. Um, and so, so from there, you guys built up your business. You were doing one-on-one -on -one yeah. branding for yeah. other creatives or what yeah. were you doing then? Yeah. So we were, uh, we were, wait, doing... and Scott, did you take the job at the news station? Um, I never got a job at the news station. Okay. I so you guys just launched I, it. I got a job at dish network installing yeah. satellite dishes. <laughs> And he was working um, like 60 hours a week. Yeah, we're like 60 there. to oh, 80 wow. hours a week. That's crazy. And then coming home and helping her run Hey Sweepy it for a couple hours every night. He was like dead um, all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a tough season. Um, and we, and I did that for about eight months, um, while she worked full time at Hey Sweet Pea. And yeah. we actually got so busy right off the bat that it, after our first month, we actually hired, um, a part-time, a part-time assistant yeah. just to handle the admin stuff. Wow. It was, we were getting so, so, so crazy, so crazy. Like it, we just hit the ground running. 
Um, so we were doing, um, wait, can we talk about this for a second? Because I think that our listeners are going to want to know, like, wait, (laughs) hold up. How do you like just launch? And then you're so busy that you're hiring an assistant in the first month. Like how, what can you say led to that? I I mean, it really was, we always say we started our business on Twitter and this idea of just putting yourself out there and showing up and making yourself available to people and pouring into them. I had done that for the whole time that I was at Sony, um, not the whole time, but the whole last year before I quit. And so because of that, there were people who were just ready to work with us. So as soon as I turned in my, my notice, they were like, where can we sign on the dotted line? And, and I, when I left LA, Right before I left LA, I had started this in-person community meetup, and at the time there was that wasn't happening. Like people weren't meeting up in LA to like get together to help each other's businesses. It was networking events, but it wasn't like community. Right, so it was a completely new thing. And so these women kind of just surrounded me when I quit my job and gave me work and told their friends like this: you should hire this girl. So it was really, I mean, it really comes down to Twitter and community. You know, they were yeah. there for us, and the more you pouring to people, they're more than willing to support you back. Yeah. I found Um, that in my own business too. And I just, so many of our listeners ask though, like, how does it work? And I'm like, it's one person at a time. It is one conversation at Twitter on Twitter at a time. It is one cup of coffee at a time. Really, the more that you can pour into those individual relationships, the more it just exponentially grows from there. What's that, that power of one, you know? And so many people think of the numbers. And one of the things we always say all the time is it's about impact, not numbers. The numbers will follow. Those will come. But if you focus on impact and that one person at a time and that each relationship is of value and each sale is of value, then it grows exponentially and it's a joy at the same time. You know, people are excited, you're excited, and you really start a movement instead of, you know, just this, you're not just focused on the money, you're focused on people. Um, and I think that that takes people far when you focus on people, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Amen. So, so yeah, so we got to Texas, started the business. Scott was crazy working like Netso on everything um I was stressed out of my mind like curled up in bed couldn't barely move trying to figure out how in the I'm living in a state I've never I'd never been to Texas before we showed up on Texas's doorstep so <laughs> you know show up in this new place living in relatives house like trying to start a business I'm pretty sure I was very anxious all the time yeah so can we talk about that a little bit because I feel like a lot of people think that going from a day job to building your own dream job that just the fact that you work for yourself is dreamy and I have found the total opposite to be true like and every creative entrepreneur I know fantasizes about a day job yeah so um (laughs) tell me a little bit more about the stress because I know that that's like led into your journey you are constantly redefining the dream job so let's say first it's just getting out of the day job then you're like wait why am I curled in the fetal position on the couch crying if I'm not at this corporate day job that I hated so much like what's wrong with me and maybe I'm probably putting words in your mouth but like sometimes I'm like what's wrong with me like can I just not be happy with anything but it really is about constantly just redefining and tweaking what that dream life looks like and it sounds like you've done a lot of that and that you have had some challenges along the way didn't you come down with the West Nile virus West Nile and viral and bacterial meningitis Oh I mean, my. I could have died, basically. Yeah, scary. <laughs> and really so that happened. Was this in Texas? Yes. I'm afraid of Texas yes. now. It was uh, obviously <laughs> so in Texas. Yes, it was while we were in Texas. So oh, wow. Maybe it could have traveled to Texas. Yeah, who knows? Oh, no, no. Um, so what did you learn from that experience, and how did it shift the way that you started looking at business? Being sick or starting the business? All of it. <laughs> All of it. Well, I think one of the things we were talking about before, kind of jumping on the call with you guys, is this idea of, you know, always redefining, you know, and I think a lot of people jump into business without realizing that there's a lot of other things that have to change too, like your lifestyle and your mindset. And there's all these layers that go into being a creative entrepreneur. And they just focus on why do you get my business up and running instead of make money. Yeah, that's it. And not realizing there's like so much up here in your head and um, that has to be dealt with as well. And so I think, one of the things for us has been huge is constantly making sure we're in the right place. Like, are we in the right place mentally and physically and emotionally? Um, because all of that goes into 
being a creative entrepreneur. Um, and that was a huge, you know, all along the way, I feel like we experienced epic failures or whether it was, you know, and ended up in the hospital and kind of having our business fall apart. You know, that, that was a reality that happened. Um, you know, different things like that, which were traumatic in and of themselves, but they kind of pushed us to these new levels of what do we want? You know, it would just kind of break us down to like the bottom of the barrel, I yeah. guess. And then we'd be like, okay, wait, hold up. Let's kind of talk about what we really want. What's what's not working? And one of the quotes I wanted to share with you guys, because it's kind of like my favorite quote ever. I yeah, really I'd love, love to hear it. Um, this is kind of one of the themes for us is, this is a quote from Brian Tracy, and it's it's so good. So he says, I found that every single successful person I've ever spoken to had a turning point. And the turning point was where they made a clear, specific, unequivocal decision that they were not going to live like this anymore. Some people make that decision at 15 and some people make it at 50 and most never make it at all. And I think for us, when we look back at our story and as we're helping other people write theirs, it's this idea of turning points. There's just turning point after turning point after turning point. And it's not the straight line to success. Yeah. It's constantly, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing this. This like I'm making snake, you know, snake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go to our head. YouTube video yes. to watch to watch uh, Elise's awesome hand road. motions. It's not a straight shot from A to Z, you know, and you're gonna it's gonna take time to get there. And so all these turning points, whether it was quitting the job or experiencing being sick in the hospital were these epic turning points in our journey that forced us to reevaluate and then go in a different direction that felt that that's what we were supposed to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So (laughs) from there, um, it looks like maybe you stopped doing a lot of client work and you started what you're launching today, which we'll get into a little later (laughs) because first we need to talk about the RV. So you sold all your stuff again. I'm yes. making that up, but no, okay. You sold all your stuff again. You got the RV. <laughs> Tell us about that. Like when did this RV journey start? How did yeah. you guys decide to make another big leap like this? Yeah. Tell me about that. So we, we were working, um, we had built our business up to be a, a decent sized studio. We had about eight employees. Um, and were those like full-time, um, this is me asking as another boss, were these full-time employees? Were you guys working with some contractors? Of them, some of them were, and some of them were contractors. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we had, we had, uh, two full-time positions and the rest were either part-time or contractors. And different times we had different full-timers. Yeah. Too, yeah. Full-time, but, um, yeah. so yeah, it, it was, what we realized was we were building something that we didn't even really want, but we came into entrepreneurship with those corporate mindsets, I guess, or that mm-hmm. like classic American dream mindset, like mm-hmm. this is how we're going to make it. Um, <laughs> and and it, it was that, like Elise was saying earlier, that reevaluating of like, wait, this isn't, we're building something we don't even want. Like, it, yes, it's being successful. Yes, we could continue to do it, but this isn't going to take us in a direction that we really want to go. Um, and so, so we had to make that decision that, okay, you know, this is, we're going to have to, this is a turning point. We're going to have to change directions. And the catalyst for that was Elise getting sick. Because when Elise got sick, um, the, the kind of business model that we had, Elise was kind of the linchpin. So she didn't do all the work, but she approved all the work. And it didn't go off without Elise's stamp of approval. But when she got meningitis, um, her, um, which is, I don't know if people know, but it's, it's an infection in your meninges, which is this like jelly layer covering your brain and your spinal cord. So that infection causes your meninges to swell. And so it actually puts pressure on your brain and your spinal cord. So Uh. it can cause all kinds of problems. But one of the problems she had was it, um, looking at a screen gave her like excruciating pain. Like I couldn't look at a phone or a TV or computer or anything. So, so she can't approve designs for our clients. So is she she like, Scott, describe it to me in detail. (laughs) No, no, like things literally came to a halt. So I kept the business running. So I, I kept our, I kept our employees doing work. I kept, um, you know, things happening, the projects moving along, but we couldn't, Nothing was going out the door. Nothing was getting submitted to clients for approval because Elise couldn't put her stamp on it. Yeah. Um, and so things kind of came to a screeching halt. 
And what we realized was we don't want a business where it can't operate if the lease isn't around. Like we, we can't have that sort of linchpin mentality where, um, you know, without us, nothing happens. Um, and we realized that's what, that's what we were building. We were building something that was completely dependent on us, which wasn't intentional. It's just kind of how it played out because, you know, you make those split-second decisions as you go. Right. And, and, and I think it's not else. just, like, that's kind of – it almost sounds like a hybrid between, like, a corporate, like, let's build an agency mindset with the solopreneur mindset. So it's like you're taking the yeah. hardest parts of both worlds <laughs> – and blending them together in the worst way. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and I don't mean that as a criticism no, at all, but fine. really, because um, sometimes Emily and I talk about this all the time. Like, are we building an agency or are we building right. a brand in right. both of our businesses? And we look at the way that both of our businesses rely on us as well. So a lot of what you're saying, I'm just like, oh, man, it's kind of like a punch to the gut in a really good way. And it's things that I think about. But um, if you build up a business where you have employees, but you're still in that solopreneur mindset and you're still the gatekeeper of all the work, not just the work going out, but the work coming in. Um, it kind of can set you up for disaster if you do get sick or even have a baby or want to travel the world or all the things that you want to do. I'd like a life outside of your business. Right. What's that like? Yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. We, we didn't even know back then. Yeah. Um, so so when, she, when she got sick, everything ground to a halt. And, and we basically had to say, okay, our, once, you're, once she started getting better, are we going to try to resurrect this and, and make changes or are we going to just cut ties and do something new? Um, and, and we were sitting in that hospital bawling our eyes out <laughs> trying to figure out I mean, because I was so sick, and we didn't even know when I was going to get better. Some people are in the, in the hospital for months when they have this. Some people lose, you know, Not use of their legs and, you know, all sorts of different things. And so it was kind of this moment of, like, okay, financially we're falling apart. Our lives are falling apart, except we don't know what's going to happen next. So it was really scary. Like, okay, really this scary. is another question. Did you have insurance? I mean, being yes. a self-employed, okay. Yes. Yeah, we did. We had insurance. So um, we ended up um, paying only a tenth of what the total bills were. Yeah. Which is um, still probably a hefty number, I'm yeah. guessing. Which is still... Five digits, <laughs> more than five digits. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we, it, it was, it was but very difficult. Get, you, stage. People need insurance. I mean, when yeah. you are self-employed, get a good insurance because we had good insurance and we still had to pay, you know, yeah. a good chunk. So wow. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you reevaluated, and did you just decide to cut ties? Like we're done. Yeah. So we decided this isn't like we need to cut our losses here. Um, so we lay off our employees. Was that hard to do? It was very hard because one of the things that we really tried to build up is a sense of community in our business. You know, like we, we had, you know, we would go, we would take the afternoons off and pay for everyone to go to the movies together. You know, like we would do, uh, lunches out. We, we, you know, have people over for dinner. Like we tried to build this family. Yeah. Um, but you know, at some point we had to realize that it, it wasn't going to, you know, we couldn't kill ourselves to just to try to create a job opening, you know, like, and, and they had learned so much and had grown so much, um, cause we had invested so much in them. Mm-hmm. They all have awesome jobs that, now. Yeah, we felt <laughs> confident that like, you know, Good. they're, they're going to be okay. And they totally were, you know, they, had, they, all nailed awesome jobs. Yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, it's it a hard. tough call to make. Yeah. But we had to make it. So we ended up cutting ties. We shut everything down. We told all of our clients, you know, as soon as we wrap up your projects, we're closing the doors. And, um, and we started trying to figure out something new. So what we ended up doing was um, creating mini classes. So um, they're just, um, they were live classes we did on Google Hangouts. Um, so 14 people, uh, for an hour and a half and we would just teach a topic. They'd get a worksheet and that'd be it. It was like super basic. Yeah. Yeah. Super basic. And so we, That's started, awesome, do- though. we started doing those. We did them on social media, on Instagram and on, uh, business systems. Yeah. Um, and then we added a, a class on writing to delight your, your customers. Um, so we had those four classes and we started teaching them more regularly. They started to gain some traction and we really realized we just loved 
education. Like we yeah, love that's cool. We loved imparting knowledge on people and sharing our experiences. Um, okay, yeah. I also want to just like take a second to point out to our listeners because everyone's like. Ah, I want to like create digital product and you guys have an amazing product right now, which this is a good time to talk about that. But I want to mention that it started small. It's smart. It's, it started with a Google Hangout, yeah. you know, and so small and so sexy. So again, like, just like your business started with three people, like we had 14 seats, but we would only sell like three of them. Um, there were a couple of classes where we, three was our minimum. So if fewer than three people signed up, we would cancel the class. Right. Uh, Cause like, that's just. And so did that happen though a couple times? Yeah, did you have to cancel. It a times. And now but you didn't which is give crazy, up. We sell a hundred seats a month to just these mini classes, at wow. least a hundred. So yeah. it's, it's like you know, in just one year. And so it's kind of this idea of like, even if you are successful and you change directions, I think a lot of times people think, okay, well, the new direction I'm going to be immediately successful in, but it still takes time. You know, yeah. you still have to, you know, kind of. People have to know you for that thing, and you have to yeah, kind of build to, up that. we had to build up that reputation. Okay, I also want to point this out, so. too, is that, um, like, hustling a digital product, I think a lot of people assume that a digital product or selling, like, an online class is, like, this awesome way to have passive income that's just going to make money for itself. But I know from watching you guys and having our own e-courses and things like that, yeah. it is a full-time job yeah, you gotta just hustle. to create and market and promote that sort of thing to make real money, to make yeah. up for shutting it down. Yes. And, you know, and we really, I mean, we, in one year, which is crazy, to the day, one year, we completely we changed our business model from a service business to an informational product business, which is insane to go from one to the other. Yeah. Um, and in that period of time, and it is it's completely different. You know, it's we're not working one on one, but you you know a lot of what we do is community building. We're just hanging out with people and we're talking to people and we're sharing um, value online and through yeah. email newsletters. A lot of what we do full time is just marketing. Almost you know our yep. full time job is marketing. Yeah, we're not. Figuring out, figuring out ways to like give value for free. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, like how to make sure that people understand that like we're, our, our, first, our priority number one is to make sure that you have something of value. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like we, you know, we're talking about at the beginning, it's about investing in people and making sure that people understand that your priority is people, not, not their wallet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and right. that takes, that takes a lot of time to build that reputation. And that kind of trust. Um, and that trust. Yeah. Well, and speaking of trust, I just want to point out that I get your newsletters and not every single one is selling something. Which isn't bad either. That's not, I, I don't think it's bad for every newsletter to say, and hey, by the way, if you want to support us, yeah. like your newsletters are great. If any of you guys need <laughs> inspiration or just someone to give you like a big virtual hug, <laughs> Scott and Elise are your people. We like they, happiness letters. Yes, <laughs> happiness letters. So subscribe to those for sure. But um, I have a couple of listener questions that oh. Emily and I want to read to you and ask you about. But first, tell me about like what you're launching today and what you're working on and how people can find more of you. Awesome. Well, this is, um, we actually um, launched it six months ago. So this is the second enrollment. Oh, gotcha. So of um, our online branding school. So we took all of that, those tears and those trauma that we went through and we put it in a course, you know, a, a six week course. Um, and so it's, it lives online and it's beautiful home and there's a community and all this stuff. Um, and so we actually took all the knowledge and, and week by week and layer by layer, we actually help people build their brand on their own. Um, and it's really powerful program because it's not just about business. It's a lot. It's about that lifestyle and the mindset yep. and all of that stuff that goes into creating a brand. Um, and so we love it. So it's, it's awesome because we've, we launched it six months ago, and the students who enrolled, we call them our Irresistibles because it's my own Irresistible brand. Um, so the Irresistibles are, like, seriously the coolest people we've ever met. Um, and they love us, and we love them. And so we've been pouring into them the last six months. So today it opens up again, and so we get to welcome new Irresistibles into yeah. the school. Yay. And so when is the uh, – I mean, tell us, like, how can they find that? Yeah, so if you go to myownirresistiblebrand.com. Yep. Um, you can put your email in the box and you're actually going to get access to three free training videos that we created 
Um, and a cheat sheet. And a cheat sheet so that you can like get started now without having to invest anything. Okay, Emily just told me the other day that cheat sheets are the future. <laughs> she was like, worksheets are. are out, yeah. cheat sheets are in. Cheat <laughs> sheets are in. Facebook marketing and cheat sheets, yep. that's how you go. Yeah, people love that stuff. And, they, and, and the, the, it's awesome. What we love is that no matter if people don't get – if they can't sign up to the program – the fact that they can experience the free brand training and is just like the coolest yeah, thing for us. Yeah. So, and we'll we be sure to that. include we'll be sure to include links to all of this in our show notes as well. So, if you are listening to this while you're working out or grocery shopping or whatever, just go to lovebeingboss.com and we'll include links to everything. Um, yeah, okay, so question: after, Did you guys oh, take sorry. a? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so after you get the free training videos, then you'll get access to actually sign up for the program. Yeah. And the registration for that closes April 10th. Okay. So it's a, a very short window because we like people window. to take action. We reward action takers around here. So. Right. And I'm looking at my calendar. Oh, my calendar is still on March. But this um, launches a week after we're recording it. But yeah. that yeah. still gives people a yeah. few days. So yeah. you need to get on to it. Get, in there. get the free training and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, did you guys, I'm curious, like from a behind the scenes perspective and a lot of our listeners would love to be able to launch something like this as well. Did you get training in like how to market and launch this sort of program? We did. We took a course. That's like the best course About creating courses. Okay. No, that's great. And I think it's just, again, it goes to show like not all of us are born knowing how to do this sort of oh, thing no. and you can like we fumble were... around it, but it is so good to get help. Yeah. We were completely lost. Like, cause you know, that's not our expertise. We had invested our, our resources other ways. Um, and so as we were transitioning to becoming an informational product, we still had to like get the training to learn how to effectively yeah. create and sell an, an informational product, you know, just, right. You, you can't just, I mean, you can, but it's really hard to just figure that and out. There's actually own, a system so. for it. There's a system that you walk people through. So I will say, all listeners, go check out createawesomeonlinecourses.com. David Garland is the one who runs it. He's very successful. He's awesome. The coolest guy ever. We love him. Yep. Um, yeah, that's how we learned. And it really teaches you. It allows you to add your own spin to everything, mm -hmm. but he gives you the system so you don't have to feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and scared. So it's much. like you can plug your own content and your own expertise into this model that just yeah. helps you. Like, you Walks know, you're just you jumping through. on the train. Yeah. yeah. And, and then and it takes you. Yeah. And we followed it to the T. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, and that makes a big difference. A lot I was about to say, because like, you guys seem so put together and like just sharp and polished and it's impressive. We, yeah. We, that's not. Uh, accidental. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, I mean, to launch this school, when we launched it last time, um, the initial launch of the school, we basically killed ourselves to make this happen. We, yeah. we, we lived on Red Bull for about 30 days. Oh my God. Up to it. <laughs> and we, I mean, we went all out and it's kind of just that turning point. We were just ready to live our lives differently. We were yeah. ready to make it happen. So we just did whatever it took. And it okay. Amazing. Speaking of living your lives differently, we've, we've glossed over yeah, the RV. We, we need to yeah. talk about the RV. Okay. So now you're living in an RV. You sold everything. Yep. Yeah. You bought an RV. Tell us about that. Yeah. So the, the idea was we were going to commit to living on the road for at least a year. Yeah. Um, and if we liked it, we could keep going, but we would do at least a year. And so and we really like um, it. <laughs> one of the benefits of doing our informational product is that um, there's a lot of flexibility in time. Um, it's not an 80-hour work week anymore. Um, so as long as we can invest time to... Um, to continue to market things and to love on people, um, then we can take time off to be experiencing life. To so, love on each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we live in this 28 foot camper with uh, the two, two of us and our two dogs. And uh, we travel around the country. We've been in Florida, kind of uh, holed up in Florida for the winter because it's been warm all winter in Florida. Uh, we've lived about, we spent about three months at Disney World. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now for our launch because um, we get nice, consistent Wi Fi. Yes. Wait, so uh, are you like at your parents' house? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then, um, and then as soon as the launch is over, we'll head back to Florida um, and we'll start heading up the East Coast yeah. uh, over the spring. So, yeah, it's it's been, it's, 
it just like everything else, you know, you envision this dream and then it never really plays out that way. Um, so it's not all peaches and cream. Um, you know, we've had, we've had some adventures. We've, you know, the tires have oh. popped. We've had dogs who got sick and our we, engine blew up. Yeah. Well, oh. crazy stuff happened. Yeah. yeah. But it's awesome. It's so awesome. But yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's one of the first times where we actually get to intentionally choose to live life instead yeah. of feeling like we're enslaved to our business. Well, you guys make it look beautiful. I have to say like a few, maybe a few weeks ago, I was really low just from like sleep deprivation yeah. and it's sometimes hard being a working mom. Yeah. And yeah. I was looking at your Instagram and Elise, you're always like, Scott said, hey, babe, want an ice cream cone? Yes. I'm going to get you an ice cream cone. And like, I was like... I look over at Jeremy. You guys probably have like have created so many relationship fights because like I look at Jeremy. I'm like, why aren't you buying me an ice cream cone and taking me to Disney World right now? No, I'm just kidding. But it was it was funny because I looked at it and it did bring up that like little bit of like oh just Instagram jealousy, yeah. which is normal. We yes. can all it's normal. But like I thought, wait a second, I get to write the story of my life too, and I think that's like ultimately what you guys are really preaching. Yeah. If there's something that you don't like about your life, by all means, change it. And so in that moment, I was like, well, I could go get an ice cream cone right now. I could go get an RV and live on the road. I mean, but I think that it's just that doing fun things takes effort. And so you guys are putting a lot of effort into doing fun things and making life look the way you want to look. And I love you guys for that, even if it makes me a little jealous from time to time. Well, yeah, our goal is never to make anyone jealous. But yeah, just like you said, like our our message is 100% like we are living proof that if you believe in yourself and if if, if you can define your version of success, you can achieve it. But you have to. It starts there. You have to be able to define that version. And your version is going to look different than our version. You know, not everybody is going to want to live in a 28-foot camper with two 80-pound dogs. You right. Know, that's, not, that's not going to be for everybody. And we don't want you to live our version of success. We want you to find, define yeah. and live your version of success, whatever that is. And I think something that we always say to our students, and it comes up a lot, is this idea of being very like daringly intentional. And we, we, we put the word daringly in front of it because it kind of takes a lot of guts to be very intentional. But yeah. like you have to be, like you said, I mean, you're intentional in, in, in a lot of areas and how you live and how you spend your time. And, you know, we have a lot of boundaries with our phones. Like we don't take pictures while things are happening. We, you know, we experience life and then we upload pictures later to Instagram. You know, like yep. there's a lot of boundaries that are in place because we want to be intentional. We want to live in the moment. We want to pour into each other and into our students and things like that and so um this kind of idea of just i mean it's the theme the redefining success you know and really just saying like what is it that matters to us yeah. because and cut out the crap you know like yeah. don't focus on anything but what matters to you most you know all right let's take a second to chat about our sponsor fresh books So we know that most creatives don't start their own business to get bogged down by all the administrative stuff that it takes to be legit Most creatives start their own business because they just want to do what they love and what they're best at. And that's what I really love about FreshBooks. It's so easy to use. It's easy to get your finances organized. You save time billing. It's easy for your clients to pay you. And it's built specifically for small business owners just like you. So stay on top of your business with a clear picture of its financial health with FreshBooks. You can try FreshBooks for free today. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. All right, back to Elise and Scott. I wanted to ask you because we talk a lot on being boss about routines and boundaries and how I think that they are anchors for the creative entrepreneur to stay, um, to not go crazy. So for you guys, especially being on the road, and maybe it's because I'm a tourist and I like being home, but like, have you created any routines or boundaries for this kind of location independent lifestyle that helps you feel rooted and grounded and at home even whenever you're on the road? Yeah. So that's one of the things that we absolutely love about living on the road that we didn't necessarily anticipate is that because we live in this camper and it's, I mean, that's, that's a redefinition right there of a home. Um, but you know, it's this small space 
Um, but it's it's ours. Like it's our bed. It's our living room. It's our couch. It's our desk. Um, our kitchen. Um, it feels very homey. So, so it feels very homey. And so it's awesome how we can go to a completely new place. And it's a new campground, and it's new people, and it's a new city. Um, but when we step into that trailer, it feels like we're home. Yeah. And yeah. and that's something you don't get if you just travel from, like, hotel to hotel. Um, because hotels don't ever feel like home. They feel like, I mean, even the nicest hotels. Right. It's not your, it's not your bed. It's not your dirt, you know. It's... <laughs> It's it's somebody else's dirt. And that makes a big difference. So so we still get that that feeling Uh-oh. of coming home at the end of every day. We crawl into that camper, crawl into the bed, cuddle with our dogs, and um and it it, it you know, it feels the same as it as it did living in that three bedroom house and in Austin. Uh, in Austin. So, can you guys create a Google Hangout class on how to sell all your stuff and live in a RV? Oh, um, I don't know if you saw this newsletter, but we wrote a newsletter called "How to Craigslist the Heck Out of Your Sales." We this is true, and this is kind of our claim to fame, not to brag, but we have sold everything we've ever wanted to on Craigslist. We've sold cars in 24 hours, three cars in 24 hours. Wow. We've like always like sold everything and there's this whole system for it. I will send you my yeah. system. It, it, okay. It parallels our ideals about branding. So yes. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can actually brand, brand products Craigslist you're selling on Craigslist. Craigslist. So, and that was in a newsletter. Like, can we yes. get that in a way that we can yeah. share that with yeah. our listeners? Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll okay. I would love that. So, so well, and I haven't even told Kathleen yet this yet. We're selling all of our stuff when we move to. We're moving to Chattanooga yeah. soon. So, like official. I love it, Chattanooga, and we're selling all of our stuff. So, I need that yes. Craigslist thing because I got a lot yes. of stuff to get rid of. One thing I will say, you're gonna. It's like layer by layer, yeah. and and the crazy yeah. part is now living in a camper, we still get rid of stuff, which is insane because we don't right. own a lot of stuff. Constantly downsizing. Yeah, we're uh, just. It's kind of addicted. To I love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> okay. Okay, we have, I know that you guys don't have a lot of time because it's launch day, but if we can just ask you two listener questions that I think you'll be able to help with, and you can just like quick fire answer. It doesn't, you don't have to give us like the whole shebang. (laughs) All right. So Suze asks. I think it's Susie. um, Is it Susie? I mean, it's it's spelled S-U-Z-E, but I think it's Susie. Oh. Suze or Susie. We're sorry. Either way. Yes. Apologies. (laughs) I have been baffled lately about how some things work in social media. For examples, how do you get your Facebook page posts seen by a larger audience? How do you get more likes on your Facebook page? How do you get more followers on Instagram? And how do you get good followers that are truly interested in what we make slash do? I see people on Instagram with thousands of followers, two or 3,000 to 40,000. They seem to be people that are enthusiastic about what these artists are making. Um, can that happen organically and not take forever to accomplish? I want followers help with these social media strategies, please. So we teach classes on this. <laughs> Tell us what you say in your classes for free. I'm just so abbreviated right, the abbreviated version. Um, so one of our big social media philosophies is kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's about it's about building community. Um, and I think one of the things that people kind of struggle with on social media is it becomes uh, almost like this soapbox or this um, this um, pulpit where they get to, um, you know, just tell their, ide- their ideals and their philosophies and they um, – or they're constantly trying to sell stuff. Um, you know, hey, don't you want to sign up for this? Don't you want to buy this? Don't you want to read this post? Don't you want to? And um, and people don't really respond to that very well, especially on social media, where it's like most of the reason why people are coming there is for that some sort of communal aspect, some sort of community connection. connection. Um, and so we really teach that social media is all about creating that connection. And um, there's a great book out there by. Um, Gary, I think you guys have talked about it before. Yes, yeah, Vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah, Vaynerchuk. Yeah, so it's that idea of like give, give, Mm -hmm. give, 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 and then sell. You know, like give value, give, give things that your your audience wants to hear, they want to read, that 
that feels like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just gave that away for free. Like that, that, that I so connected with that. Yeah. Um, and if, if your content can um, be about um, giving to people, then when you do sell, there'll be so much more, um, you know, hey, like, like our Facebook page. They'll be like, oh, yeah, you've given me so much. That's the least I could do. Yeah. Um, and so it's so much easier to build that engagement whenever you're providing so much value. And I will say that, I mean, in my opinion, it takes time because oh. you do have to build trust. And communities don't happen overnight. Brands don't happen overnight. It takes, you know, you investing in people and people wanting to invest in you. And, you know, those really, really big numbers, a lot of them have happened over time or they got featured somewhere, which is awesome. Um, but for the most part, you know, people got to where they are today because they put in that hard work behind the scenes for years, you know. And it looks like they're an overnight success, but they totally. don't. Totally. Totally. <laughs> We're not an overnight success. I just want to jump in and say in my own personal experience, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I was just as excited and content about like my hundredth follower yeah. as I was probably even more so than like my four thousandth follower. You know, right. it just it's a weird perception thing, but like yeah. it, I just kinda wanna say like numbers don't really don't. matter whenever you are trying to build community and talk to these individuals one at a time, just right. like we were talking about earlier. It's just that impact beats numbers every single time, you yeah. know? And when you pour into people and you and you place value on impact, what happens is people lean in to listen. You know, they want to listen. They want to be there. They want to tell other people about it. We've had people who've never bought from us ever, 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 who are like our biggest advocates. Like they yeah. talk about us all the time and it's because they've fallen in love with us and our brand and our story. And they're out there telling people about us. And, you know, every time when people focus on the numbers, whether it's numbers financially or numbers followers, um, it, it's your perspective's in the wrong place. You know, those are an outcome that that happens. You get money, yes, yes, you get followers, yes, but they come because you placed your value on the right things, which is people. At the end of the day, it's always people. Um, so that was that would be our short answer to that. I question. love it. Thank <laughs> you. One more yeah, question. That's perfect. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Rachel asks. As I am trying to build my brand and business, how I can how can I still work on networking and building a client base and gain experience starting to work with clients when I don't feel totally ready? I guess for me personally, I feel like I can't start building a client base because I want to nail down my brand first. More spe more specifically, I want to operate my business under a name and since I don't have that name yet, I can't set up my website can't put myself out there, etc. Do you have any tips for this sort of thing? Also, I know that once you have built a successful business, the clients will come running to work with you. But for a beginner like me, how can I approach or reach out to clients that I'm interested in working with? Yeah, so our, our story kind of um, is very applicable in that we started our business with Elise reaching out to people on Twitter and at that point, we didn't even have an idea to do a business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there know, was no like, name. There was no website. There was nothing. There, there. was nothing. <laughs> and, and that, you know, that community that she ended up building, because it was, it was specifically targeted, it was, you know, she understood that um, you know, reaching out to the entrepreneurial world was important because those would be our clients, our customers. You know, she wasn't just talking to... Um, random, random. <laughs> it was very intentional um, who she was reaching out to and she was able to actually build a community and a following as an individual without a business so that whenever we did launch our business she brought all those people over and they became our first batch of clients um, and, and it's kind of you know you don't have to do it that way obviously that's just the way that we did it right. but one of the things that we teach a lot and we've realized it's a theme is when we worked with one-on-one -on -one clients and even in our branding school we see people get this perspective of like I have to have this huge mega perfect launch and then I will be successful and they like they kind of put everything off their name their website they kind of put every single piece off until they can have this 
magical launch that happens. So we love this philosophy of soft launching. You're just kind of always tweaking and adjusting and refining and putting stuff out there, seeing how it does, putting it out there again, you know, and really, and that's, con that's how we built our business was off soft launches. You know, we didn't build a branding school overnight. We did many classes and sold them to three people. And then that <laughs> yeah. worked and that grew into these recorded classes and, you know, and they just kept growing and growing. And so we encourage every single person who's an entrepreneur to really kind of own this idea that there is no such thing as a perfect launch or perfect start to your business. You just have to put yourself out there day after day, you know, step after step. And you keep tweaking it and you keep refining it and you keep celebrating it, right? Every step of the way, you keep um, making it better and better. Um, and so that would be my encouragement is to not, not wait for everything to fall into place, you know, really own the fact that imperfect progress is what it's all about. Instead of, you know, amen. Just on this perfection. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It doesn't yes, exist. amen. <laughs> I get so frustrated whenever people, you know, even like hesitate to launch because they can't afford to buy my services or Emily's services. Yeah. You don't need it. Yeah. I mean, as much as like my business is built on branding people. <laughs> Uh, you don't need it. You don't, yeah. you kind of don't need a brand to offer your service. Right. It's great if you can have a brand yeah. and if your, you know, outsides can match your insides and you can look and feel like what you really want to look and feel like, but you can still do the work yeah. without having like a perfectly polished brand. Well, I always tell people you learn when you do. And I think a lot of times people think, you know, they'll take our classes and they're like, okay, I took your Instagram class and now I'm just going to sit behind the scenes and wait for months. And then all of a sudden I'm going to have this perfect Instagram feed. And I tell them, don't do that. Don't stop posting. Please keep posting every single day because you're going to learn while you're doing all these principles and everything I'm teaching you. It, when you're practicing it, that's when you're going to get there. But if you just wait, you're not practicing, you're not doing, you're not learning. And so you have to put yourself out there and you have to constantly you know, be, be updating things, whether that's your business or your life or social oh, media. Yes. Um, and and one, of, one of the things that, um, it, this analogy that I saw that really helped me kind of embrace this idea of doing so much trial and error and being willing to test things and, and do that market research and being okay if it's ugly and just getting feedback, um, is this idea of like, I think people are just afraid that it's going to fail. You know, I'm going to put it out there, it's going to be crickets, and I'm just going to feel like such a failure. And there's this great little diagram that I saw that has you sitting here at, at the center, and then you're at this fork in the road. And if you go to the left, it leads to success, and if you go to the right, it leads to failure. And you have to choose which road are you going to take. Um, and that just creates so much pressure for people, you know. It's so much, there's so much weight on that decision, um, and but that is a lie. I mean, that's not how it really works. Um, and so the other graphic was this picture of almost, it almost looked like a ladder. And at the very top was success and at the very bottom was you. And every single rung was a failure. And in order to <laughs> climb up to success, you had to be able to climb through each and every failure. You had to fail over and over. Yeah. And it, it took that repetitive failure and that's what got you to success. So it's not until you you are willing to go through those little failures, those little, you know, I put it out there and I didn't hear anything. Well, you what you received a ton of information by hearing crickets. Yeah. And so now you know that you need to completely change directions and try something. You know, or even just slightly different. tweak it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yep. and, and change something and then try it again and see, did I get more response? Did I get less response? Um, and so there's that, that mentality of like being willing to be vulnerable enough. Um, and you don't have to take these big risks. They can be little controlled risks. Um, but testing things over and over and over again and continuing to tweak as you grow. Um, and that's that philosophy. We adapted that really early on. And that's really what we attribute to getting us to where we are today. Cause we're just constantly reanalyzing things, um, and making all these little micro tweaks. So oh, uh, up -leveling. I love it. we never yeah. stop up leveling. Yeah. Just never uh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I, I, have this, I, I always preach to my clients test and change. Yeah. Like that's so I like, and I like force feed that yeah. to them constantly. This idea of like, 
launching a website, launching a brand, launching your first like product or service, like you're, it's not going to be right. Yeah. It's not, it's never going to be exactly the way it needs to be because it constantly takes testing and changing yeah. over and over again. And I like that ladder. That's a smart ladder. Oh, so good. Yeah. Thanks Elise and Scott so much for joining us. I know yeah. it's been a crazy busy day for you. So we really appreciate you taking an hour to come and chat and hang with us. And we have a Facebook group. So if you guys are interested in talking to yeah. the being boss fanatics, we've got I about, Oh, good. I'm in there now. Okay, good. It's almost a thousand people. Yeah, so I, talk- social media, so. I feel ya. Um, it's there's a really good community happening there, and I know that probably following this episode, they'll probably want to ask you a couple more questions. Yeah. They need to buy your services, but if you don't mind popping in there and yes. answering a few questions from time to time, I know that we would all love that. Yes. Um, thank you again. Yeah, sure, we're so honored. Yeah. This- so awesome. So excited. And then we loved, I think it was just serendipitous. That was the same day that the school launched and you were like a part of me leaving Sony. I don't know. It just feels Aww. like it feels right. So full circle. Yes, full circle. So there we ways. go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Being Boss from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, uncut on YouTube. Uncut. It is, supposedly. Well, and it's really made Kathleen and I step up, like, our intro game, because Kathleen and I will spend 10 minutes just Uh, trying to get started, and we're like, dude, I sound like Like, an idiot Like, we laugh every time. We talk about, like, we need to do vocal (laughs) warm-ups.